0: he been putting in work for so long. Putting in a lot of work. What's going on guys? Welcome to a very special episode of Putting in Work. Episode 134 of the interview podcast on the 8-Bit Collective. I'm your host, as always, John O'Peck, joined by my beautiful wife, my very pregnant wife, Hannah. How are you going?
1: Good, thanks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You've done uh, episode 50, I think you were kind of sitting next to me with that one. We did a mailbag episode. You read the questions to me. So it's not your first attempt at podcasting, but it's definitely going to be your first as a guest, as like the main focus. How do you feel?
1: We're both the main focus. Yeah. Okay. I feel like it was easier when I could just read the questions. Sure. Much less personal.
0: True, but we're here for, as I said, a special episode. Before we get to that, my new book has just launched. So i got to plug that, The Maven Effect. It is a sequel to The Spy and the Maven, which came out in 2017, and I've been busy getting deliveries, getting things signed off, promoting, and I'm about to start mailing them out as we record this, so that's kind of exciting. And uh, if you're listening and you read that first book, then I implore you to go check out this one. It's a great end to the saga of the Maven series. And if you haven't read the first one, it's not only a fine place to pick up the story, you Don't have to read the first one, but if you want to, it's available as well. It's at a discount, but enough of plugging that. We're here to talk about...
1: You forgot to tell people where they can find your book.
0: Yes, actually. Good point. Uh, You can find it at gumroad.com slash Jono himself, and that's where all versions of the book are available. Digital, paperback, hardcover, including the predecessor, The Spy and the Maven. So yeah, thanks, Han, for the setup on that one. But yes, we're here to talk about us and our journey as we come very close to parenthood. We could even have a kid by the time this is published, which is kind of crazy. People might know the name of our child by then.
1: Very exciting.
0: Yeah, but we're talking about the journey to get here because it's been a long road. It's been three years of lots of uncertainty, a lot of waiting and being patient. And it's a story that people don't often talk about, which I think is why you're particularly keen to share. It's not something you naturally do. So why don't you tell me first of all, why you want to do this podcast? Sure.
1: Naturally, I don't like hearing the sound of my own voice or um, openly sharing things, but I'm particularly passionate about the fact that Um, getting pregnant and staying pregnant is not easy for everybody and sometimes it can just feel like everybody is getting pregnant and everybody is carrying a beautiful baby and that it can be easy but for so many people out there including us um, it has really been a challenge Um, a challenge to get pregnant and Mm -hmm. Yeah, a challenge to get to where we are now, which is 37 and a half weeks. So yeah, just wanted to, to share our journey and make it less, um, what's the word?
0: Stigmatized? Yeah. As we've been on the journey, we've definitely been encouraged by people who have spoken up about their experiences. True. And those people that we know who've been through it and have talked about it has been really encouraging too because too often people keep it I guess to themselves and that's totally you know understandable it's not easy to talk about it's very emotional for a lot of people so you can not really blame anyone for it but for those that do have the I guess courage is probably too strong a word but maybe not maybe it is courage not to say that we're being courageous by doing this
1: and I feel like you're more courageous by sharing when you're in the darkness, when you're in the yeah. point where you can't see True. a happy ending.
0: We've waited until we have something positive to say, I yeah. guess.
1: So we're kind of cheating, I think. <laughs> like it's not as courageous. And I think when you're going through those dark times, you mm. don't want to get any bad feedback and you don't want to um, like it's hard enough just scrambling and treading water yourself, let alone sharing with others and you
0: don't want to open yourself up to the stupid things people will say as well because that's definitely a thing that we've had to put up with which I'm sure we'll get to but why don't we go back to the start and look at our journey so three we've been married for six years and it was pretty early into our marriage that you decided actually I do want to have kids now so when can we start that and it was kind of like "Uh, let's you know get to the right place, let's have you finish uni, let's both make sure we're good and ready. And that took me a bit longer than you. Just a bit. What was it like for you <laughs> in those years of having to wait just for me to say, yeah, let's let's get going on starting the family?
1: Yeah, so it was probably at least two years waiting for Jono to be on the same page as me and I was a student midwife at the time so I'm getting to see the joys of parenthood and babies and I think that made me more clucky but Mm. I did find it Um, I don't feel like I'm a patient person so I found it really frustrating Uh, especially when everybody as soon as you get married everybody kind of says when are you guys going to have kids and even just little jokes about that would kind of rub us the wrong way because Mm. it was a bit of a raw point Um, but I completely understood where Jono was coming from and I did understand that it's not the best time to try to start a family when I'm still studying and if Jono wasn't ready I didn't want to force him to do something as big as start Mm. a family.
0: And little did we know, by the time we would start, which was about three years ago, it would take this long, uh, which, you know, hindsight, maybe we start a bit earlier if we knew, but we came up against some infertility problems. When was it that you kind of clicked like, this is taking a long time, like we should be pregnant by now if things were all okay, because it took me longer, like... I'm not as educated as you. I just kind of figured it takes time. Not everybody gets pregnant first try. But what was it like for you?
1: I um, went to see my GP earlier than most people. So most people get pregnant within the first 12 months of trying without protection. And... Um, we were nowhere near that point. We were probably at like four months. But then rather than having regular cycles, I was not not getting normal periods and I just didn't feel, um, I felt like something was wrong. So I went and got some tests done and that was probably yeah, about four months into trying. And then those tests revealed that it had something called polycystic ovaries um, where I don't get regular cycles and my eggs don't develop Mm. Um, as well as everybody else, and sometimes aren't released. But at this point, Jono was well for over twelve months. Jono was really um, like, "It'll happen when it happens, and this is normal." And he kind of expected uh, it to take.
0: I was being a patient, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, patient and naive. A little,
0: a little bit of naivete <laughs> and ignorance mixed in there, and just I think sometimes it's easy to just think that things will happen eventually. And they always do, but it's like how eventually is eventually. And for us, it was getting longer and longer when we, and then I guess we started going to specialists in Geelong and getting advice. And that meant for you like some pretty intense, not only treatments, like taking pills, injections, but also surgery, right?
1: Yeah so that was a long journey where we did a lot of um, a lot of those things and it was hard because well we were both young and John had had some tests done and at this stage they all came back normal mm. so they kept giving us really high percentages that ah, yeah. you've got 60% chance of getting pregnant this month and you've got 70% chance this month and there was at one point they said 90% but it just yeah. never he said like happened. it'll be
0: like 90% chance in the next Six three months, months or three six,
1: to months six months or whatever. Months. Yeah, yeah. But um, I had monthly internal ultrasounds, which is pretty invasive. I had to take different medications and have timed intercourse at times that are not convenient Sexy. and very unsexy. <laughs> um, <laughs> inject myself at different times of the day.
0: And what were you injecting?
1: So there was, point? at it was called overdrill. I believe it's a little while ago since was I did it. The, that but wasn't that the trigger, was, was it? Yeah, so it's a no. trigger. So I was taking a medication called Clomid, which makes you kind of a little bit crazy and hormonal already. But then at different points, they would do multiple internal ultrasounds, decide when the best time was to trigger the egg to release. So I'd inject myself and then mm. um, have to have intercourse a lot of times within a few days um, and just work around work sometimes I'd have to take mm. my needles into work whereas I work in a birthing suite um, to sneak away at some inconvenient time inject myself in the toilet and then try to hide my sharps somewhere um, <laughs> so there was yeah a lot of annoying treatments along the way and that's
0: it's just crap isn't it
1: yeah. And every month you, you're hoping and every month you're praying and every month you think this could be it, especially with the really good percentages. And then you're paying a lot of money for these treatments as well. Yeah.
0: And all the while you're seeing friends and relatives and people get pregnant and, you know, finding out that it was really easy or that it was by accident. And you're just sitting there like, why us? Like, why is this happening? Mm. And then it just keeps going. And it, it's a tunnel where you can't see the end of it and it's easy to think like it'll never happen. Did that ever cross your mind?
1: I believe it would have definitely crossed my mind. Cause you try to not have too much hope after a while. You just try to think it won't ever happen because if you think that it will happen and you think that it will happen that month, then you just, you get more disappointed when it doesn't happen. So mm. like you hope that it does happen, but like somewhere in your mind, I worry that I'll never be a mother and I'll never get to have my own baby. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: But I think, like, we, we did watch a really helpful documentary called...
1: Mm, one More Shot? <laughs> yes, like
0: One that. More Shot. And that was about On a Netflix. couple going through their own similar journey to us and covering different stories of people who... They've done like surrogate things and they've done this many attempts at IVF and they've done all like adoption, different couples with different families started in different ways. And the theme that, or the message that I took from it by the end of it was, yes, you will become a parent. We just don't know how long it's going to take and we don't know how it's going to happen, but one way or another you will. And I guess for me, I accepted that that was our situation that maybe we'll be a bit older. I always thought that I would be a father by the time I turned 30 and we started when I was, I guess, 20, almost 20 or maybe just turned 29. So that was like, most people freak out about turning 30 and I really didn't. That was the only real thing that kind of hit me was like, I'm not where I kind of thought I would be. And that was sucky. That was really annoying and crap. But yeah, I guess we just accepted that we had to wait and wait and be patient. Um, adoption was something that was pretty far off and in, in not really, we weren't quite at the point of having to consider that, thankfully. Um, and we fortunately had the savings to be able to look at the more expensive methods after you've had multiple surgeries and things still haven't worked. And that was IVF. And so it, it was a certain point along the way where you're having like these different procedures and surgeries that
1: so I had a, um, a lap, which, yeah, which is keyhole surgery, yeah. um, and then they have a look around inside, they check your tubes, and then they scrape everything mm-hmm. out, and all of that looked all normal, uh, and that's when they gave us really good chances after that, but yeah, mm. so...
0: Yeah, and I don't know exactly in the timeline where it was, but they eventually did a different test on me that they hadn't done before. They tested my blood. Which they should have done. Which we don't still don't really know why they took like 2 years to test my blood. Mm. But they found something I think they called low motility. We don't really understand completely the science because we're not doctors, biologists or whatever, but but essentially the verdict seemed to be that the combination of Your issues and mine together made it quite hard, and yeah, that's where IVF became an option. Mm.
1: So if I didn't have polycystic ovaries and Jono was hundred percent perfect, essentially we should be able to get pregnant after a while. Or if my fertility was perfect Mm. and Jono had anti sperm antibodies, we could have got pregnant. But yeah, the combination Mm. just.
0: And what was that like for you during that those years, thinking that? There's something wrong with your body. There's something that you can't do that seemingly everybody else is able to.
1: I think I was blessed because you were so good about it. You never made me feel like it was my fault. Although, I, yeah, I knew that it wasn't helpful. But um, you also were really supportive to do all the treatments. And I was fine to put my body through all of that because mm. I just wanted to do everything that I could to have a baby that has both of our genetics. mm So I suppose it is hard knowing that it's my fault as such, but I don't know.
0: So did you feel pretty good when you found out that it wasn't completely (laughs) you?
1: Not good, but like a little bit of, I don't know, a bit of maybe relief, but then it sucks. (laughs) Like at least there's an explanation. I feel good that there's, okay, this makes sense and we can do something about it. Mm. Why the heck did they not just take your bladder free blood test a few years ago? Mm.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll find that out one day, but... I guess it doesn't really matter. doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway, as Indy sneezes on the floor, what was it like for you to kind of accept that, okay, IVF is something we're going to have to do. It's another procedure. It's another... Some would say it's like unnatural way to go about conceiving a child. You didn't care by that point?
1: <laughs> At that point, I feel like, okay, this everything that we're doing is not working.
0: The finances was, a, was probably... A, hard pill to swallow for both of us i guess
1: i just really really wanted a baby mm. by this stage it's been a long time and each month i'm getting i'm upset as well mm. so i remember being emotional going okay now we need to do ivf like
0: this sucks this that, really
1: yeah. sucks But, and you have to go through a lot of steps to get there. You have to do counselling. You have to Mm. fill out paperwork. You have to pay thousands of dollars. I think we should
0: say how much it costs for people who don't know. Yeah. Do you remember? (laughs) So I feel like it was $12,000, but then the government gives you about half of that back.
1: So I think it's at least eight grand out of pocket for our first. That's for your first round. And
0: so the way it works for people who don't know, actually, why don't you say.
1: What? How IVF works? Yeah.
0: What did you want to hear? My attempt to at explain it. <laughs> yeah, go for it. So the the magic science people, the doctors, they take egg. They retrieve eggs from. They call it a harvest, which sounds brutal, but they harvest the woman's eggs.
1: How do they do that?
0: Uh, with machines. <laughs> how? I don't know I can't remember <laughs> it's been a couple it's been a long time since the first it's been since then it's been a while like more than a year yeah anyway they do that and then they take the male side of it and then the one that we were recommended is where they kind of like mix it in together like they inject it into the egg directly to ensure like the best chances and that's called ICSI and they did that procedure and bared fruit, I guess, in the sense that there was a certain number of embryos that, that, yeah, they get back and they say, this is how many we have to freeze. And then they tell you how many survived the freezing process. And then you're like, okay. And then you are looking at decisions like, well, what do we do with embryos that we don't use, which is something that's like, I guess, more of a down the track conundrum to face but for us being like Christian and believing in you know life conception and that kind of thing it was kind of a mind trip to think well the options are you either th- throw these embryos in the bin at some point or donate them to someone else which means there could potentially be someone out there walking around with your kids in a sense or which, donate
1: them to science and you don't, or donate them to science you which don't really want sounds like yeah, it a sounds lab experiment
0: gone wrong and so like our, at least our thinking was we'd rather do the thing that's trippy and weird than the thing that just feels wrong, which is to throw them out personally. But I guess everyone has to come to that decision themselves, which is just yet another example of the crapness of, yeah. of IVF, even though it is a really amazing procedure and science. And we're blessed that we live in a country where it's more affordable to do it compared to, we know people overseas who've either had to like look at moving countries just to start a family or it's just not even an option yeah mortgage and people even we have friends over here in australia who have to save up and really like consider carefully when the right time is to do it well i guess we have the luxury of just being emotionally ready to start so we did that and um so they put the embryo back inside
1: yeah So meanwhile, they're doing lots of tests and just checking that my body is ready for that and taking lots of different medications and um, affecting my hormones so that it's technically the perfect environment um, to grow a baby. So they put that back inside and then there's what we call the two-week wait, which is really hard. So the two-week wait is um, the time from when they've implanted this little embryo till you can um, have a blood test and just check, did this little one um, stick in Um, or, yeah, is it unsuccessful? Hmm. So. for us. For us, um, our first implantation was successful, and we received a phone call to say that my hormone levels were perfect, and that my, um, that I was pregnant, and that my results were all really, really good. Um, so what was that
0: like? That inc- phone call?
1: Incredible! Like I just sobbed. Um, Jono wasn't home, and I'm more emotional when there's nobody around. But yeah, that was just such a good feeling because somewhere inside, you just feel like it's never gonna ever happen and all like automatically within like not very long at all you start to make your kind of your hopes and your plans and mm. for me as a woman I started to imagine my nursery and um, all of the incredible things that we were going to do with this baby and you think about the day that you are due and what that what that'll be like and then telling telling Jono was um was a lot of fun as well mm. How about you? How did that make you feel?
0: I think, well, obviously, I was overjoyed, but I think my first question was, like, when is it safe? Is that it was remember? one of the first things, yeah. Yeah. Because yep. I, I just have always had, like, struggled with the... Like, even the time leading up to being ready to start a family, struggled with the idea of, like, opening myself up to the... um vulnerability of the loss that you can have as a parent or as a soon-to-be parent in terms of, like, miscarriage, SIDS, and things like that still scare the crap out of me, and I try not to think about them too much, but at that point in a pregnancy, it's like you can't really help it, mm. and because we invested so much energy, time, finances... It was hard not to think, like, when is it safe to let yourself be happy and, can't, like, count your chicken before it's hatched, I guess.
1: Mm. So what happened then?
0: So I got home from work about a week later and I was just talking to you as I walked in the door and you weren't responding and you hadn't replied to my last couple of texts. And then I looked across and you just, like looked really sad and then you started crying and I just knew that we lost it and that was the worst <laughs> that was definitely the worst day of our lives I can say and really hard because like you're so happy and then it's just flipped upside down that quickly and then you're faced with like do we keep this to ourselves, or does it become like Like something that you tell people, they don't even get to experience the excitement that you had. It's just straight away like, oh, by the way, we just lost the pregnancy. Because everyone knows that you've done IVF as well. (laughs) Like, Mm. not everyone, but like our families obviously knew we had people praying for us. We had our closest friends in Geelong supporting us. And it's not really a secret that this is coming soon. Like either Mm -hmm. we're going to have really good news soon or we're going to have, you know, the news that it didn't work or we're going to have the worst news, which is, I I guess depends how you look at it. But for us, it feels like the worst news is that it looked like it was going to work and then it didn't. Mm -hmm. So that really sucked. But we had the most amazing support from everyone that really got us through it, I think. And Mm. just being there for each other. What about you?
1: Yeah, I, um, I received a phone call with – I had to go in and get weekly blood tests after um, after doing IVF and I received the phone call that the levels had dropped or they were the same and just that this baby wasn't wasn't going to be the baby that we'd hoped mm. and prayed for. Um, and that was – I just remember just feeling numb and, and just horrible. And then one of the hardest things was telling Jono, that like just ruining, ruining everything and mm. having having to tell you uh, was so hard, and we hadn't told our families exactly when we were doing IVF. they just knew that it was on the cards, so, um yeah, having to call them and and, yeah, I remember not even being able to to say what yeah. happened to my mom and and she's just like, "What's wrong?" and I just couldn't talk, and then she's like, "Did you lose a baby? Um and having to then, yeah, tell tell other people is just yeah. horrible. But then, even though it was only a week, like it felt like a lifetime that you put all of these hopes and all of these dreams mm-hmm. and it had taken us years.
0: Yeah. And it didn't really end there either. A lot of people think of a five-week pregnancy as a bunch of cells, and like, I don't. Know if there's a heartbeat or not, I don't know it's what not really a heartbeat I don't know what a weeks. five week embryo looks like, but to us it was baby mm. and that's all that matters. Mm. Um, but you're right, it didn't end there because there was different weird results when that you were getting yeah. tests and it made it look like it wasn't conclusive and numbers that mm. were meant to be dropping off were going up, and you had to then like, have another surgery to remove Mm. everything. that. Yeah.
1: What I found really hard was that sometimes it would go up a little bit and there was the tiniest, tiniest chance that this baby could still like the really, really small and minute that this baby could still Mm. survive. And then they told us that they thought it was, twins and still really really early on but that one had demised earlier and then that the other one had so my levels were kind of up and down and then you're just not knowing Mm. um and then them going you won't need surgery because your levels are dropping and then I would have been about 10 or 12 weeks pregnant when Mm. I had to go in and that was so hard as well like even though the baby was tiny um it just it felt like it was still part of me and having to say goodbye before the surgery mm. was really, really, really hard. Um, and I just remember feeling a bit like, it's, it's a bit stupid, but a bit like I kind of like melted or a bit like full, like I'm just walking through. Everybody else is living their life, but I just feel like I've just completely melted and I'm not even the person that I am, just dealing and nobody knows What you're going through through and how you're feeling, and how dark everything is. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's not something I would wish on a worst enemy, definitely. And it was a long, like, it was long, already been a long journey, but then it was like a long way back to the starting line again, having to face, like, okay, we got to, like, rebuild. Our lives, and we were devastated for months. Really, mm. um, just eating like crap food, putting on weight that I still haven't lost, and
1: um, feeling depressed. Yeah, for...
0: and just yeah, like only really having each other, and like we have this, a lot of support, like I said, but still, like nothing can really fix what's missing. Um, but it, it certainly feels like that. And, um, even like, like I mentioned before, we both have a strong faith, but even that was taking a hit, like, like going to church the week after or the weeks after and being there and like trying to sing worship songs and like speak words that you believe or you know that they're true. Um, but in that moment, it just doesn't feel right like that God is good and that you know there's a plan and everything like that the concepts that we that I always believe like things happen for a reason and everything it just really kind of makes you question all of those things and um, what was that side of it like for you
1: yeah that was so hard I remember just going to church I couldn't sing the songs um, and I just remember I'm not usually an emotional person. Like I would cry maybe once a year in a sad comedy or not sad a sad comedy. comedy. That does not work. A sad movie. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like I just remember just standing in church, I couldn't sing the songs, and I was just had tears just running down my face. The poor person up the front looked at me like, what is wrong <laughs> with you? Um, But I just just felt horrible because we'd gone to church the week before knowing that we were pregnant and mm. just being able to worship with all of our heart and thank God for that. But then to have that taken away um, mm. just felt so mean and cruel. And I think without John, I probably would have stopped going to church because, yeah, I just found that so hard. And I felt like God knew the desires of my heart, but why? Why? Yeah. Is this happening?
0: So what was that journey like for you to not feel like that anymore? A
1: long, long journey. Yeah. Over months of sometimes um, going up and down, essentially. Mm. And then found it encouraging to read the Bible and read the stories of the women who waited years and years and years to get pregnant Mm. um, and that God heard them and the journeys that they went on. Yeah. and how frustrated they got as well. And they'd send their husbands off to sleep with somebody else to get them pregnant, just still like, yeah. So I found that encouraging. I had friends who'd lost a baby um, at 15 weeks and I found she was really encouraging and supportive and she understood where I was coming from. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. But just a really long journey.
0: Yeah. And From there, it was a question of when do we get back on the horse? Like when is round two, we've got all these other embryos. When are we going to do IVF again? And it really became an emotional waiting game of, we had the money there, but when were we ready to face potentially the same sadness all over again if things don't go well? And that was always the fear. And even though we eventually did obviously get pregnant again and... That was through IVF even those like really early times and the scans and everything it was just like completely every time you just hope and, and pray that there's
1: a heartbeat and you kind yeah. of I'd plan my day around okay if there's no heartbeat I'm going to call into work at this point and yeah. they will understand but they're going to be really short staffed like, I would just think, okay, if it, I'd try to organize my appointments and my ultrasounds on days that I didn't mm. have anything else on yeah. so that I could then, like, and we'd both be sweating and feeling nauseous <laughs> before the I don't scan. I do sweating. Mm, <laughs> probably. But did you, did you feel sick?
0: I felt uh, just, like, the first scan, my heart was racing, I think. Mm. And it was difficult right up until like after 20 weeks because we know great friends of ours who lost a baby around that point and even though it's very uncommon, it was still in the back of my mind and it really did take a long time for me to kind of silence that anxiety and fear that it's going to happen again. Um, But yeah, it's been a great pregnancy which is I guess the happy Hmm. ending yeah and,
1: and we did it and so it was our second round of IVF that yep. I'm pregnant with this baby now hmm. yeah
0: but I guess not to get too far ahead if we can go back so in the wake of losing that pregnancy that you eventually named Zion what was it like to come to terms with that over time because it seemed like it was really hard well I know it was really hard you'd come across these milestones and things where like especially the the due date that would have been and things like that um or other people who were pregnant around the same time having their kids and that being really difficult
1: yeah so many triggers so there was somebody at work due at um a pretty similar time mm. and um
0: and you're also a midwife having yeah. to see babies constantly
1: yeah uh, so that was really, really, really difficult. Uh, I would distance myself from this I wasn't close with this specific person, but whenever they'd talk about pregnancy, I'd find a job to do or I'd walk away. It didn't hmm. I don't believe it was obvious to everybody else, but just I couldn't I couldn't listen to that person complain about anything, which like I couldn't hear a complain about the nausea or the sore back or anything because every part of me wanted those things if it meant that I was still pregnant. Mm. Um, So I found that really difficult. I found it really difficult when good friends of ours were pregnant and I found it upsetting that I couldn't support them the way that I would like to. Um, I know you found that as well.
0: Yeah, like... I don't know if I found that, but it, I certainly had the fear that um, it was starting to impact our friendships. Like, it felt like people were holding back their excitement about their own pregnancies or whatever it might be, or just, like, being, being...
1: strange around us. Yeah,
0: and, like, you want... You actually you do want people to be sensitive, but you want people to be able to express their own excitement. And there were a lot of people that weren't sensitive in these times especially like before we were pregnant and that became difficult where people would make jokes about not having kids or ask what when you're why you're taking so long and yeah just flippant things that they don't know what you've been mm. through or even if they do they don't understand the impact it can have
1: yeah like in my job There was points where it was every single day or every second day where I would get asked if I've got any children, when I plan on having children, because I work with mums and babies. Mm. Um, And then often I even got to the point where sometimes I'd kind of had enough and I was like, well, actually I was pregnant and we recently had a miscarriage. Just
0: shut them up. (laughs)
1: I don't know. Like I just got sick of just pretending everything was okay and pretend and just using the stock standard answer of not yet but hopefully soon. Like, yeah, just to kind of open them up that actually that can be really hard. Some people can be on this journey and you just Mm. don't know where people are at.
0: As I mentioned before about Zion and what was that process like? Like you named this thing that never was and like what was your... I
1: feel like it was to me um yeah okay to me even though it was tiny it was so so tiny for me I just had a feeling from the start that this baby would be a boy um and I felt like it meant so much to me and it meant so much to Jono that I just I couldn't just let it be a miscarriage like to me Mm. it was so important and I've i not quite sure exactly why I named our baby. I, I still call a baby boy, Zion, but I just felt that that was a really good way for us to, for me to deal with my grief mm. um, and acknowledge that this was really important. Yeah. yeah. And we didn't share, it's only more recently that we're kind of sharing that we even named our baby.
0: Mm.
1: I felt that it was important yeah. for me. And I feel like Zion's a name that's kind of a cool name that even if baby was a girl and I don't feel like it is it could maybe be a boy or a girl
0: <laughs> yeah i don't know it, yeah. it it was a difficult thing when there was a point where you were very much about like putting a personality on this baby and mm. i was trying to like protect myself and not do that and mm. kind of distance myself and a lot of people do kind of try and move on quickly from a miscarriage and not, you know, mark the milestones and remember like some people have so many of them as well that it's like, I can Mm. understand, like don't have the capacity to feel grief for every single lost baby. But for us, especially now, that's all we've had to get excited about and to grieve. So it was definitely something where it felt significant and we've planted a tree on, the baby's due date on Zion's due date, which is a beautiful thing in our front yard to see grow and blossom and have life and a very cathartic experience digging that hole. It was like a funeral and it was raining and it was depressing. And we
1: had Jono. Jono played some music that sounded really depressing.
0: (laughs) I can't remember. And we were all
1: just like soaking wet, digging this hole, this sad music. I think it was um, acoustic the song. It felt appropriate regardless yeah. anyway. Yeah.
0: <laughs> as sad as it sounds, but yeah, I think it's important to find ways to remember, uh, the things that are important to you anyway. And I probably should mention if people do pick up my new book, there's a dedication to Zion in the front pages, which made you burst into tears a few days ago. <laughs> yeah. I didn't
1: know that John put in there and it felt like really special that he'd acknowledge that and that it was important to you. It means a bit that you've kind of come around to the name as well because at the start you were kind of like, well, technically it was just sales. It wasn't a boy. It wasn't a girl. Yeah. Hmm. But for you to now acknowledge that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: And so we eventually decided we were ready and things have been pretty good since then. I think that's actually been a big part of healing and everything is having Absolutely. this yeah. thing to be excited about, uh, this new baby, baby Peck. And what What do you want to say about that experience of doing IVF a second time?
1: To a second time was so much easier because you don't need to go in for your retrieval surgery mm. or anything. They just pick up your little embryo and you go in there and they put it in.
0: Mm. It's
1: less invasive than yep. a pap smear. And... Your wait. it's just been, it was really, as we've already said, really, really hard early on, just thinking, expecting something to go wrong, yeah. but we've been so blessed in that it has been a really healthy
0: mm.
1: pregnancy, a baby's growing well, moving well, yeah. measuring well, like everything, it's been really smooth. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: And I think it's probably worth talking about, like some people, from what you've told me, much more involved in the infertility community that apparently exists, that people's relationships often suffer through these experiences of loss. And we know like even parents who lose children face the same thing, like often it leads to dysfunction in the family as they try and move on. But would you say that it's been difficult on our relationship over the past few years?
1: No, we've been so lucky. Like we've been through IVF, infertility, miscarriage, and... I feel very thankful that it's made our relationship stronger Um, that mm. John is such a passionate laid back person and he's always around to just give me a hug if I'm crying. Um, yeah. I think it's actually strengthened us, which yeah, is really great because there are so many people that it's just so hard and you could have easily blamed me for um, those years that we had issues and we thought it was just all me, but um, You're very gracious and patient. How
0: could I blame? How could you can't blame someone? It's not their fault.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> I could have got frustrated and hmm. wished that it wasn't me or something. Yeah.
0: Never. Never. Um, well, I usually ask a bunch of questions on here that apply to putting in work. And this has been more work than anything we've done before. So, what's been the hardest part to get here? do you think
1: losing Zion? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And like what, having to deal with it, like having to move on, what's been the hardest part in that process? I
1: think the hardest part was that I'd waited so long and then it still makes me emotional, <sighs> um, feeling so happy mm. and content just feeling out of this world, excited, and then having that ripped away, just being, yeah, so happy and then just knowing, okay, this is not, Mm. it's not going to happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's funny that even though we're pregnant and expecting a kid any day, basically, that that wound is still there. Mm. And something I've always said since then is like, the wound will eventually heal, but there's going to be like a really decent scar forever. That's never going to go away. Mm. That's always going to be part of us. And that's, I guess, part of life, isn't it?
1: Mm. Yep. Yeah. I feel like you see it less and less, like it's still going to be there, the scar, but it will, Mm. yeah, it'll fade a bit and you'll get, when you poke it, it still
0: hurts. (laughs) (laughs) stop poking it yeah Mm. okay and what would be your advice to anyone experiencing infertility or the loss of pregnancy
1: i think it's important to find somebody that you can talk to yeah don't do it alone Mm. um something Jono and i didn't talk about is we went to counseling or you went to a session of counseling because i just was more so for me I was in a bit of a dark place but I feel like it's important to be able to open up to your loved ones if you can um talk talk about it with people and exp- like don't for me like everybody is completely different but for me not bottling it up helped being able to mm. name Zion being able to plant a tree being able to the a few days later I went to the nursery with my mom and we picked a special plant to acknowledge our baby um, I also think don't give up, like, yeah, mm. it can take a long, long, long time, and we felt like we wouldn't get to where we are now in many times, but, yeah.
0: I think I always yeah. thought we would, like that, like that documentary, One Last Shot, the message being like, it will happen eventually, mm. you just have to be patient and keep working at it, and it might not happen the way you want it to, but. And I think that's so true of, like, so many things in life, whether it's, like, trying to find a job that works, trying to find, you know, a relationship that works. Like, things don't... What are you laughing at?
1: A relationship that works.
0: Yeah, a lot of relationships don't work, true. you know? okay. And it might not happen the way you want it to or that you'd expect it to, but it'll happen eventually if you keep working at it. Mm. We've definitely done that. I guess from my perspective, it would just be to be open-minded and of, of you know the possibilities that things don't always go to plan and be supportive and mm. I feel like it's always going to be harder for the woman in this circumstance and that's definitely been the case for us um, not just because you're more maternal than I was paternal at those points but it's your body you're the one having to stick needles in yourself for months take pills and do all kinds of invasive and gross things along the way like i it's it's almost like the pregnancy i don't have to do anything really i just have to support you and mm. that's definitely a lot easier i think than being on the other end so and we haven't even got to the labor yet where that's going to be doubly true so <laughs> look forward to that mm. anything last you want to say last words
1: find a good obstetrician yeah. someone that you trust mm yeah
0: Shout <laughs> out good to GP Moses. yeah
1: yeah. you need a good GP <laughs> cool thanks for listening
0: yeah well Hannah my last question if you could do anything and then you wouldn't fail what are you oh
1: doing anything and not fail
0: I ask everybody this Goodness Come on. me. It's the, like, what am I supposed to
1: pick now actually I don't know you've got me thinking about babies now I'm like I can't pick 10 and have 10 babies no
0: you can't <laughs> <I> didn-
1: <laughs> <laughs> do not pick that If I could do anything and not fail, oh, my brain just gone to mush. It's like breed puppies. Like I can't think of anything (laughs) right now.
0: (laughs) Let's just stick with like have a healthy baby. Okay, we'll go without drugs.
1: We'll go with that. Yeah, (laughs) survive labor. Yeah,
0: with no (laughs) epidural, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Cool.
1: Have a healthy baby.
0: I think we can manage that.
1: All right, we'll go with that.
0: Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Hopefully that has been encouraging, uh, enlightening. Not too depressing. Yeah, not too depressing. We have a happy ending. So, yeah, like like we said, there's a lot of crap things about infertility, but it does make that final joyous occasion that much more sweeter, I think, and we're going to love this baby more than I can imagine anyone... (laughs) Mm-hmm. loving a child everyone probably says that but from what we've been through and what we've experienced it feels like it's going to get a double helping of affection once it's here mm-hmm. do you want people to find you on social media huh? no it's
1: okay. no
0: okay <laughs> <laughs> well you can find me at johnny himself uh, you can support 8-bit at patreon.com slash we are 8-bit and like i said The Maven Effect, buy it from gumroad.com slash Johnny himself. And until next episode, keep putting in work.